0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Lavernia Sermon podcast. If you have any questions about what you hear, or if you would like to speak with one of our pastors, you can find all of our contact information at www.fbclv.com. So thankful today for our choir, the beautiful songs they sing for us. There's a lot of Easter traditions that people follow, so maybe you have some in your family or in your household, and it might be hiding and hunting Easter eggs. Maybe it's dying eggs. Could be that every year you get together and make Grandma's famous ham and potato salad recipe. You go take pictures in the blue bonnet field. In our house, for as long as I can remember, our Easter tradition is we get up and we worship together as a family, And then we go home, and we have the most glorious lunch you could ever imagine. And it seems like it's an unspoken rule in the Baptist world that it doesn't matter if you eat good any day the rest of the year. Easter Sunday, you're going to have a good lunch. And so my dad fries shrimp for us. We have homemade macaroni and cheese, which is one of the foods from the heavenly banquet table. Mashed potatoes and buttery rolls. My mama makes my very favorite lemon icebox pie. I know what you're thinking preacher, where's my invite? This is it. Here's your invite. If you don't have plans, you're welcome to come and eat with us. And then at some point in the day, we usually have Easter baskets. It's a tradition that my parents had with me and that we have with our kids. Maybe they'll pass that down. Maybe you have some family traditions that you follow also. So today, we're going to take our Bibles. If you have them, words will be on our screen. Bible's in front of you there to turn to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to see that before the resurrection and before the cross. One of the parts of Jesus' journey was 40 days in which he fasted and then he was tempted in the wilderness. We're finishing up a 40 days series where we've looked at different times in Scripture where God used 40 days to reveal himself and show his children something. So we're going to see what can we learn about Jesus' temptation and the temptations that he found on the cross and what they mean for us. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to verses 1 through 11 today. If you're a note taker, here's our first point we see that Jesus faced the temptation to take. <clears throat> if we begin in Matthew chapter four to be good stewards of God's word, we need to know what's happened in Matthew one, two, and three. Matthew chapter one, we see the genealogy of Jesus traces his ancestry back all the way to Abraham and into the account of Jesus's birth. Matthew chapter two, we see a visit from the wise men, Mary and Joseph flee to Egypt and then later they return to Nazareth. Matthew chapter 3, we see his cousin, John the Baptist, enter the scene. He was a different kind of fella. He only wore a camel hair coat, and he ate nothing but locusts and wild honey. And this day, there was no keto, no Weight Watchers, no Octavia. So he joined this league and ate locusts and wild honey. And then he had this message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus comes from Galilee. He sees John. He's baptized there, and the heavens open up. The Spirit descends like a dove. And the father's voice is heard saying, this is my son with whom I am very well pleased. And then we pick up in Matthew chapter four. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I often think about scripture when I read something that doesn't sound quite right to me. I think about what I would think that this would say. Jesus has just had this mountaintop moment. He got baptized, a dove comes from the sky, the Spirit, we see the Father speaking from the heavens, and the people heard him saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. This is a victory spiritual mountaintop moment. And so what I would expect to read here is that then the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to a cabin on the lake with new jet skis and a Chick-fil-A buffet inside and in the master bedroom, a hot tub. That's what I want to read. Like, this is a momentous occasion, and when we're following the will of God, we want God to lead us down a path that leads into the wilderness with cabins and hot tubs and jet skis. We don't want to be led into the place to be tempted by the devil. And so this is a great confirmation and maybe why God has you here today to hear this truth. Wherever God leads you, And whether you feel like you are on top of the mountain or he's leading you through the valley of the shadow of death, that's exactly where you need to be as long as you're following him. Verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, many of you know what it feels like to fast, and maybe you fasted before some medicine or to take blood work or before a surgery. Maybe you fasted spiritually and you've taken days or meals that you've gone without food. But we all know what it feels like to be hungry. And some of y'all know what it feels like to be hangry. And it's not a pleasant feeling. And so the enemy comes and says, listen, you had nothing to eat in 40 days. But if you're really, if, since you are the son of God... Tell them stones to become bread. Fix yourself a sandwich, and then you're not hungry no more. If you really are God's son, why would you be out here starving? And here's Jesus' reply, verse 4. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What we see here is a great confirmation that wherever God is leading you to, if you follow him, you will never regret that decision, even if it leads you to a place where you're going 40 days and you haven't had anything to eat. But do not be misled that whenever you make the choice in your life to follow and to love and to serve Jesus, you are not going to be walking down the easy path. Last week, we had a great celebration in our church, and we had three men who were ordained as deacons here. We had baptisms. I reached out to those folks and said, hey, listen, be on guard and get ready. That was a spiritual high in your life, so the enemy is going to be coming after you. The moment that you say, listen, Jesus, I'm all in, I'm not holding anything back. That's the moment that the enemy says, listen, I gotta do something with this person because they may do some good kingdom work, so I need to stop them. And he knows exactly where you are vulnerable. The enemy is no fool. Satan is the great observer and he sees and he knows where your weakest parts are. And maybe your weakness is in addiction, drugs or alcohol or pornography. Maybe your weakness is in loneliness or depression, or maybe it's homework or relationships. And he finds you at your very lowest moment, and that's where he lays the temptation right before you to be disobedient. And notice he doesn't come to Jesus and say, it's been 40 days. Why don't you tell those stones to become a new pair of shoes? Wouldn't you like some hey dudes out here in the wilderness? Jesus didn't need shoes at that moment. And he didn't say, hey, why don't you tell those stones to become a Jerusalem lotto ticket? Because Jesus didn't need wealth. What did he need the most? Sustenance. And notice he didn't say, why don't you turn those stones into a nice salad or a kale smoothie, which is a great reminder that carbs are of the devil. Because he said, turn it into bread. What did he need? He needed something to eat. Turn the stones into bread. Get yourself something to eat and then you'll feel better. You don't have to be hungry anymore. But in that moment, had he done that, he'd have been disobedient to God because that was not God's plan for him at the time. But the enemy knows what to put right before you that would tempt you. Kale smoothie's not going to tempt me. A salad is not going to tempt me. But some big old yeast rolls with cinnamon butter, that's tempting to me. Right, a cake or a donut or a cookie, that's tempting. You never have to walk by and say, listen, I'm setting my plate of cucumbers down. Don't eat them while I'm gone. (laughs) No problem. You ain't got to worry about me. And so the temptations you face in your life, if it's from the devil, it's not going to be something that you don't struggle with. He's not going to lay something out before you and say, hey, look at this. In the Garden of Eden, it was the fruit of the tree. And it looked pleasing and delicious. He says, ooh, look at that. Don't you want to take it? And so this is called a temptation to take because he tempted him to take his own path and not God's path. Take the stones and turn them into bread. And he only responds with Scripture. And so many of the temptations that we find in our life are physical, but we fight them spiritually. And so when the enemy says, take those stones and turn them into bread, we fight back and say, no, Scripture says that his grace is sufficient for me. Or when the enemy says, take that challenge and walk away from it, it's too hard, Scripture will say, no, we know that there's gonna be troubles in this life, but he has overcome the world. When the enemy says, take God's will and say no, and say yes to your own will, we know Scripture tells us the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not be in want. We have this temptation to, take things when Jesus says just trust me second temptation is to test i like to play golf but i don't get to play very often and so i was going to get to go this week and i knew that what i really needed in my life was a new driver because if i had a new driver i would be a much mo better golfer but i didn't want to buy a driver unless i could try them out first and so i went to this used golf place in san antonio And you can go in there, and you can swing clubs all day long. They have one of these fancy, you know, things that read your ball. and says what it's supposed to do. So I grab four or five clubs. I go in there, and I'm hitting them. I've had this driver for 20 years. It's little. It's old. looks more like a three-wood. And so I hit four or five drivers. I put them away, hit four or five more drivers, put them back, hit four or five more drivers. And then I can go, and I can look at all the results. And so I hit some drivers that cost $49. I hit some more drivers that were $449. And of all 15 drivers that I hit, I saw about a three-inch difference in how far my ball went, three inches. So to me, the Lord was showing me that in that moment, I didn't need to waste no golf money or buy clubs on golf, any money on golf clubs. And I was telling a friend about it, and I was saying, hey, listen, I went and hit all these clubs, really nice ones. I thought for sure I'd gain like 50, 60, 100 yards on my drive, this thing's 20 years old, and it's, listen, them new ones are like this big. Why want not go any further? And he says, well, because it's not the arrow, it's the archer. So he was saying I wasn't very good. (laughs) So it's not the club, it's the golfer. But I didn't know that until I tested out the clubs. And so the next temptation Jesus faced was to test God. Matthew 4, verse 5. So then the devil took him to a holy city, set him up on a pinnacle of the temple, He said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you on their hands. They will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Second attempt, the stones didn't work, turn those into bread. So he takes him up to the top of the temple. Josephus says, this will be at least 400 feet up in the air. He says, hey, listen, here's an idea. Why don't you throw yourself off and surely God's angels will come and tend to you. So this is Satan's strategic move here because he's using scripture. Psalms 91 talks about God protecting those who are following him. But Jesus jumping off would not be of the will of God. That would be him testing God. And so the enemy comes to him and he says it like this. You know, you're here on the earth to do God's will. That's really great and everything. Satan knows all about God's will. And he goes, and if you want to be really effective, You need a following. And if you want to build up a great following, let me tell you what to do. If you jump off of this and you land with like an avenger's land, they will come from all over the world to follow you. Doesn't that sound good? Jesus responds in verse 7. Jesus said to him, begin, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So he appeals to his pride Don't you wanna be the one who jumps from the top of this and lands? Don't you know that that would gain a following for you that could make such a difference in your kingdom work? Or I'll tell you what, if that doesn't appeal, how about let me ask this question. If, meaning since, you are the son of God, don't you believe that if you jumped, God would save you? Because if he wouldn't save you, then I guess that means he doesn't really love you. And so we walk through these tempting times in our life and everything that can go wrong does go wrong and we are at the bottom of the barrel and we have nowhere else to go and we don't know what to do next and we are full of doubt and we are full of discouragement and the enemy whispers in our ear, if God really loved you, don't you think your life would be a little bit better? Wouldn't you have a little bit more joy? Wouldn't things be easier? And Jesus reminds us that we don't need to test God to see if He loves us. He has already shown that love over and over again. And when the enemy tries to make us feel that if we can build up our pride, that we're walking the path that Jesus has laid out, we need to refuse that. We have got to understand that we don't test God, we know who He is. Temptation number three is a temptation to turn. My daughter came to me last week and said that there was something wrong with her ceiling fan in her bedroom. And that could mean a lot of things when something is wrong. So I walk in, I go, okay. I said, well, turn it on. Let's take a look at it. And so she turned it on. Here's a little video. And so this has some sound with it that you really need to hear. So this is what I saw when I looked at her ceiling fan. Yep. Yep. There's definitely something wrong with this janky fan. So I turn to my friend the Google Right, and I say, hey, listen, fan, really janky, sounds like Exorcist. How do I fix this? And I tighten these screws, spray something here, put this level, whatever. I didn't fix it. This fan is terrible. So we take down the Exorcist fan, go get another fan. I am not an electrician, but I put fans together a couple times. So you know, I climb up there and I got it together. Black goes to black, white goes to white. Green doesn't really matter. Stick that over here somewhere, right? I'm twisting stuff. Okay, that looks pretty good. And then I go and I'm having my moment, right? This is it. I have hooked this up. I'm doing man things. Then I flip the switch. Nothing, right? No fan, no light. That's all right. I Go back up. Black to black, white to white. Green doesn't matter. Red, I don't know about that one here. Put it on game. Go back, flip it. Nothing. So I called my dad because my dad knows all about everything. I said, hey, listen, walk me through this because I feel like I'm doing this right, but it's not, it's not working. Did you hook up the wires? Yeah, yeah, black to black, white to white, green. I don't know what that, He says, okay, did you turn it on? No, dad, sure didn't think about that one, you know, because who would think to turn on the fan to see if it works? Yeah, I turned it on. That's what I've been trying to do. It's not working. He says, no, no, did you turn the fan on up top? What you talking about, Willis? He goes, well, you know, you got the flips over there, but this new fan, super fancy, LED, blah, blah, and you have to use this little switcher to turn it on to say, hey, listen, you should work now. I don't know. I'll try that. So I got the little clicker, right? I turned it on and then flip the switch. This happened. <sighs> nice and quiet, nice and bright. It worked. So here's what the Lord said to me. Now, listen, this will preach. I was looking for power in the wrong spot. And to find the power, I had to look above. And I couldn't get the answers that I sought until I turned to my father. Jesus had to make a decision of where he was going to find his power. Here's the devil's next temptation, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, all these I will give to you if you would just fall down and worship me now up to the mountain. He says, everything that you see, every kingdom of the world, everything your heart desires, even avoiding that cross, just bow down. I'll give it to you, verse 10. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Be gone. I have no part of this anymore. I am not doubtful. I am not discouraged. I will not turn away and I will certainly not bow down to you. Here's the enemy's response, verse 11. And then the devil left him. And behold, the angels came, and they were ministering to him. And so the devil flees. God's angels come, and they minister to Jesus physically, emotionally, spiritually. And what we see here is that Satan is a liar. And he'll make promises in your ear that he will never keep. And what he is looking for when he tempts us is he's looking for the weakest of them all. He is looking for a moment that you are most vulnerable, and he's looking for a target to attack. And Jesus shows us that when we fight back with Scripture and when we hold faithful and when we hold true, that the enemy will flee and he will find an easier target. So we have to make sure that when we have these temptations in our life, that we hold true and remember what God says in his scripture, that we stay obedient to him and we don't fall for the traps. It's one thing to see the bait, but it's another thing when we actually take a bite. Here's what I see when I think about the cross. Jesus had these three temptations in the wilderness, but I wonder if he felt the same temptations as he went to the cross. See, there was a temptation to take because Jesus was arrested, he was beaten, he was accused, and he could have taken that situation into his own hands. At any moment, he could have called the destroying angel down and been done with that. No more cross, no more suffering, suffering, no more beatings, no more nothing. He could have stopped it, but instead, he chose to suffer for our sins. He could have taken the temptation to test God and say, Lord, if you really love me, why would you let them beat me like this? And if you really loved me, why would you let them push a crown of thorns into my brow? If I was really your son that you cared for, why would you let them crucify me on a cross? And instead he said, thy will be done. He had the temptation to turn, turn from the cross, turn from the beating, turn from the grave, turn from it all, but instead he chose to die that we might be saved. I don't know what temptations you walk through in your life but I know that sometimes we are tempted to allow our family or our friends, our jobs, our hobbies to become more important to us than God, and that's idolatry. Sometimes we're tempted to allow sin and disobedience to stay in our lives when we know that it should be gotten rid of. Sometimes we are tempted to feel like we have the rest of our lives to get right with God when we don't even know if we have 10 more seconds. Other times we're tempted to believe that we are saved by our own accord. I'll close with this story. Alistair Begg is one of my favorite teachers and preachers and authors. And he asked this question. He says, If I were to ask you today, if you died, where would you spend eternity? What would be your answer? And if you say you're going to heaven, How would you justify that? He says, if your answer begins with because I, you have already answered incorrectly. If I ask you today, are you going to go to heaven when you die? You say yes. Why? You say because I have been good enough, because I went to church, because I helped others, because I, because I, because I. The answer is wrong. The only appropriate response is, because he. It's not because I, it's because he. And so he says, think about the thief on the cross. He goes, can you imagine what it looks like when the thief on the cross went to paradise? And he shows up in heaven and the angel in charge goes, hey, what are you doing here? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, well, have you ever been to church? No. Have you ever read the Bible? No. Then how did you get here? I don't know. I'm going to find somebody in charge. And so the angel goes to find the supervised angel, and the supervised angel goes, hey, what are you doing here? I don't know. Weren't you the one who was just cussing Jesus on the cross a minute ago? Yeah, that was me. Well, then how did you get here? All that I know is that the man on the middle cross asked me to come. The man on the middle cross told me I could come. It's not because I, it's because He. Whatever temptation that you face, I pray that you will never be tempted to believe that we are saved because of anything that we do. But we are only saved through our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, today, this is what we pray. In the power of Jesus' name, would you convict us, Lord, that it is not because I, But it's because He. And Lord, it's because you. We face so many temptations in our life, Lord, right before us. Temptations that are so hard to overcome and to bear. And many times we don't know why we find ourselves in those places. But what we see with your Son, Jesus, was that He was tempted to take matters into His own hands to end the suffering, to take the easy road, and he chose not to, but he remained obedient and faithful. We see Jesus was tempted to test you and say, well, Lord, if I'm walking through this, show me that you really love me when, God, we have no right to do so because you've already shown us how much you love us. He was tempted to turn from your power and your authority and your strength to that of the enemy, but he knows that we have to love you with all that we are in his life, in his ministry on the cross, he was tempted in so many ways, yet he remained perfect to become the perfect sacrifice. God, we can't be perfect in this life, but we can fight temptation. And we can see the bait and not take a bite. Lord, I pray that the temptations in our life would not rule that we would know full well today that sin and disobedience will never lead us to the path of righteousness. I pray if anyone here has been tempted to believe that they can be good enough or do enough or help enough or serve enough or give enough to be saved, they'd be confronted with this truth that we are only saved by grace through faith in you. If one here has never felt, Lord, the conviction of sin, made the choice to seek you for forgiveness and love and choose to follow you, Lord, I pray today you would knock down hard walls. Lord, that you would crush spirits, that you would push away the enemy that would block ears and block eyes, and that you would move in a mighty way because we do not serve a deity who is still in the grave, but we serve a Savior who rose again. God, we pray all this in the power of his name. Amen. Stand together with us today. This is our time of response and invitation. This is not my invitation to you, but the Lord's, to say maybe you came here today because you wanted to hear the kids sing. Maybe you came to hear the choir. Maybe your goal was just to take a picture with the flower cross, and yet in this place, God spoke to you something you never imagined. Maybe God opened up your heart and your mind to the love of his salvation or showed you a path about a temptation you've been finding in your life that God wants you to push away. However, God's speaking to you today, this is the time that we invite you to respond. I'll say, I'll do it tomorrow or next week or next month, but right now. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to feel the goodness of the gospel, please come and pray. Pray where you're at, pray at this altar, and let the Lord lead you.